Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, band leader, tuba player from London, Vion Cross. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, joining us from the UK, we have Mr. Cross with us. Sir, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, When I originally started this podcast and I made a short list of 10 people I wanted to get on, you were on the short list. Took (laughs) two years to get you on here. (laughs) Thank you for coming on, man. (laughs) It's okay. I can't say it. Uh, No problem, man. Thanks for for waiting. (laughs) So tell the people a bit about yourself, then we get more into it. So my name is Dion Cross. I'm a cheaper player, composer, producer, um, solo artist. But people may know me as well from playing in a group by the name of Sons of Kemet. Yeah, a tuba player. And since you mentioned it already, the Sons of Kemet, I just saw you guys in April. When you guys oh, were nice. playing in New York, amazing. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a that was that was a scene, man. That was a scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was far better than I expected. Uh, when you think oh, of the London sound, uh, yeah. And then you had my girl up there, Miss Charles, singing also, which I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's amazing. I yeah. think she's. It was a real pleasure to. Uh, she supported us for most of the tour, um, and I heard a lot of. Uh, uh, music on record, um, like y'all don't care about black women. I had a chance to listen to that beforehand, but actually getting to see what she does live, um, I think she, for the most part, she performed like duos with herself on electronics and like a drummer or a bassist or whoever. I think New York was the full live band, but for the most part, it was just like a duo, and it was really yeah mesmerizing, like a real privilege to watch her perform and and to also hang out with her for periods of time. So no, she was the right one. <laughs> Okay, well, you guys personally reached out to her to bring on the tour. Was that more of a management thing? I think uh, it was. It wasn't my choice, Wesley. I think it was through um, Shabaka, but she is also on Verve as uh, the same label as Sons of Kemet. So I think it was very much through that. But um, Shabaka, I think, uh, initially made the final call, and I'm glad he did. Okay, and before we go back into all that stuff, because that New York show was that extra. How did you end up playing tuba in jazz? Right. Um, so, if I go right back to the beginning of my of my journey, just as a brass musician, um, my parents signed me and my brother up for brass lessons when I was eight and he was ten, um, and I had no idea what a brass instrument was. But um, one day, I got called out of my my cl- my class by the secretary, school secretary, and she brought us into this room. Where there was a, there was a brass teacher who had many different mouthpieces. Um, and lots of children in the room. And he basically gave different people different sized mouthpieces. And he said, whichever um, mouthpiece you can buzz a decent sound out of is the one I'm going to teach you. So my brother buzzed a nice sound out of a trombone. I got a nice sound out of a small version of a tuba called the tenor horn. Um, And I didn't really like it. I think because the mouthpiece was quite small, I don't know, it didn't really agree with me. Um, and then as I got bigger, I moved to slightly bigger versions of this instrument. So then I moved to the euphonium. And then at the age of 14, um, I joined a marching group called the Kinetica Blocco. Um, 
and in a marching group, the the tuba or the sousaphone is is the is the base. It's the thing that holds everything together. And this was a particular group where we would play at carnivals and and street festivals. And I, I and initially I really started to enjoy one the instrument because it just felt really comfortable and I loved like the vibrations from it like more than I did from the tenor horn or euphonium. But I just also love the role of like holding a band together. I think I didn't really come up in in church. Maybe if I'd have went to church, I'd have probably been a bass player. Or if I if I came up doing the traditional jazz thing, I would have been an upright player. But I think playing in a wind ensemble where I got to hold down the groove was um, really what what attracted me to the tuba, and and then later um, discovering different forms of of jazz. But primarily that was through like. New Orleans music first and foremost because because I was playing in a street group that was the music that gravitated me first so things like Dirty Dozen um, the Young Blood Brass Band Rebirth Brass Band Song Rebels who I saw in, in in America recently so yeah that's that's that was my initial way into the tuba and then jazz so what made you actually decide to record and go that path altogether to to be a recording artist yeah to be a recording artist I guess. Um, I suppose, I, I guess when I got um, to a certain age, I, I really, and I started to really develop a passion for the instrument. I just thought to myself, like, do I want to go the extra mile? Do I want to, like, do this professionally? Because at first it was all a hobby and it was all for enjoyment. Um, but then myself and certain people around my age who were getting good at their instruments really thought, all right, I think it's time to take this seriously so then I, 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 I um, applied for the Guildhall School of Music where I did a degree of, of jazz and classical and and then after that many people go into like a professional career because that's where you kind of get your chops that's where you learn about the business and, and learn about the music and yourself um, so I guess uh, around my late teens and after my studies is when I really thought oh, I want to be a recording artist and there were a few like major influences of people who could be like a frontline instrument on the tuba and for me that was people like Howard Johnson or Bob Stewart or John Sass people within the jazz world or Red Calendar so I had seen it being done before but I thought how how can I do it my way and that's something I started to um, think about and, and, and make music for in my early 20s I would say okay and your latest album how do you pronounce it? Is it intra one? No, it's intra I. Intra I. Okay. Yeah. It's another. It's one of those ones where I like because it's like you have the keyboard hitting extra bass with you. <laughs> You're rising over it, and then you have like a jazz. Uh, how should I put it? Also, rock feel also with a Martian mm -hmm. feel with the drummer. Yeah. So. Yeah. You put that together, how? Well, like, I had it's it's this this particular album is a like birth product of the of the pandemic. Um and before the pandemic had actually come around, I had initially always said I want to do an album where it's all tuba. All me like overlaying myself. Because I'd done the band record before. Um most of my records or records I'd been a part of had always been like making records in the moment and then and pressing record and then that's the track. But I thought I wanted to do a record where I, I crafted 
like all the parts in the studio and I wrote it out and the improvisational aspect of it was 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 like creating in in the moment and then processing things after um and the, and the main thing about it, I know you said keyboard uh, playing yeah. the bass, but there actually is no keyboard on the record. It's all tuba. <laughs> it's all. That's um, bad on my part. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's cool. It's cool. I'm kind of glad because I, I want it to feel um, like people don't know what the sounds are, but ultimately it's all minus the production of the drums and a few like key synths, maybe. All of the all of the album from the like top instruments to the bottom is um, tuba. And that's really what I wanted to get across with this record. It's about, it means intra, intra I just means within. Intra means within, I, um, meaning I, myself, or in a universal sense, I and I in the, in the Rastafarian sense, where we are all I, collective eyes make, make we. Um, and for me, it was about understanding myself as a musician and the capabilities of the instrument, but also understanding myself as a, as a human being and that, including lessons from my life and including lessons about um, my ancestors and my parents and, and where I come from as a person and, and the music that represents me and the music that I'm passionate about, which, which all is a collective part of, of the aisle who Fionn crosses, or at least I think who Fionn crosses. So it was a real, real journey through learning about myself, the instrument and, and various other things. Well, what's your background? So I, I'm, I'm born here in London, but my mother's side of family is from St. Lucia, and my father's side is from Jamaica. Ah, okay. I feel you on that part. Okay. Oh, you, you Caribbean as well? Yeah, Jamaican. Oh, oh nice, man. Rock on, rock on. That explains some other stuff on top of that. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been to the island, though? Uh, no, unfortunately not. I've been to St. Lucia on my mother's side a few times, like three, four times. But unfortunately, I'm yet to go to Jamaica, but I feel like Jamaica is like it's it's one of the most influential countries in in the world. There's a piece of Jamaica everywhere, particularly in London. Like so much of the sound system culture that comes from Jamaica has influenced um, music over here, and then obviously it's influenced hip hop as well because many of the early roots of hip hop is um, is Jamaican. So I when I, I need to go basically. You need to go. I mean, I need to go, yeah. what's it called? <laughs> I'm forgetting the stop, but it's not Bristol, is it? Oh, Braxton? Bristol. Yeah, it is Bristol. Oh, oh no, Braxton? I think you mean Brixton. Yeah, Brixton, Brixton in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does not, no honor to it. Okay, that's all I oh, can fair. say. <laughs> all right, man. Say no more. Say no more. Say, well, not Brixton now, though. Maybe not. But Brixton, Brixton in the 80s and probably 90s, maybe it was a bit closer to the source. But I understand. I'm definitely going to make the trip, hopefully, this year or next. Mm-hmm. Well, one other thing I need to know, and... How does the normal straight-ahead jazz community take your music? The normal straight-ahead um, jazz community? Um, it's funny, I've never really asked. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like, at least in London, I, I, come from, I come from that community where in my early 20s, I was always at a, a, a um, famous jazz club called Ronnie Scott's. Um, like learning my tunes and learning my changes and getting into that side of of, of the music um, and listening to the greats like Sonny, Miles, you know, Dizzy and really getting into that side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm always representing that just by the way I play. I feel like as I immerse myself in that world of jazz, 
quite early on. I always feel like I'm, I'm representing that in some way. So I try not to create thinking about what people think or, or, or what I should be or what I should represent uh, and, just, and just create. Um, so I think, people, I think people respect it and like it. And I think at least it technically hope they can be like, oh, the, the, the boy can play at least. But, I mean, yeah, you can play. But, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, but but if if not, I think that's also something. If I'm not accepted by that world, that's also something I can accept. Yeah. So when you go to a jam session, do you just sit there and play the bass lines, or do you? I'll normally play. Fr- I'll normally play front lines. So if we're doing, if we're doing, if I if I go to a jam session and we're playing rhythm changes, I'll I'll normally. Um, Learn the head. I'll probably play the head and 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 solo out. But I did. But I do know how to walk bass as well. Um, so, if 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 a bass player couldn't make it, you know, s- stick a mic close to it so you get the kind of bass vibrations, and I can do that as well. Okay. So, other thing we're gonna go into because I'm also curious. Okay. So yeah, how did you put that group together? Your sons are coming. I want to know all that. Uh, okay. Well. I'm not actually an original member, funny enough. Um, the band was formed uh, in 2011, and I joined about 2013. Um, it was originally started by Shabaka Hutchings, and it was originally Tom Skinner, Oren Marshall, uh, and Seb Rochford. Um, I think after their initial touring period around 2013, they, um, the original tuba player who was my mentor and still a good friend, unfortunately was unable to like commit to a lot of the touring, um, just for, for personal reasons. Um, and then I kind of came in and was young and ready to see the world. <laughs> so he kind of gave me his blessing to, to kind of take over in that chair. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a real big part of my development and I've really learned about myself and how to create texture and energy amongst like in a cordless band for one thing because it's because it's cordless there's so much space within the music for me to really connect with rhythm but with melody um so yeah from 2013 to now it's just been um a real journey of seeing the world touring the world um, but also learning about brotherhood and and um, how to connect and, and create um, atmosphere within such a, a small ensemble. Okay. So your tour in life, how is that in general? It's good. I think um, the last year, last year I did primarily more of my own, my own music, and this year it's kind of a balance of Kemet and myself um, and, and we just got off of a pretty intense tour um, of America, um, which was tiring, but but very fun. And I feel like it's um, it's made me stronger. <laughs> I think doing like so many gigs and that next to each other and seeing different parts of the world and meeting different people, it's all part of like developing me as a man and musician. So it's good. My touring life is constant but very exciting and I learn a lot from it. And just for me, because I'm curious, which one is more yep. strenuous on yourself? A tour throughout America or a tour throughout Europe? Um, 
at all throughout America. <laughs> because Europe, because we're, because we're on the continent, we can come back home um, if, if there are days off. But I think when we go to America, we traveled all that way. So they you really stay? Do make, okay. Yeah, they make the most of our time while we're out there. Um, so but the two times I've toured America, they've always been quite um, gigs after gigs, which is, you know, I guess that's what we're there to do. But I think with Europe, um, just by the nature of home, is a lot closer. We can go back and forth. Okay. And what is something you hate about America touring? <laughs> Come on, be honest. I don't want to disappoint my American <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, the worst thing I hate about American touring is, and forgive me for this, um, the food. <laughs> really? Oh. I'm trying to not put on weight, but you've got the best, like, <laughs> America has the best junk food. Like, America has the best food that I shouldn't be eating on a regular basis, but it's hard. <laughs> so I feel like I have to be much more, like, disciplined in terms of, like, avoiding your Dunkin' Donuts and your McDonald's. Because your McDonald's is different from ours. It's got that is all true. kinds of things. It's I all kinds you. of things. So. As much as I love the food in a, in a, um, in a sense of I, I will enjoy it right now. I think there are big, big regrets to indulging in too much on the road. Well, one thing I could say I don't like about London Go is your it, yeah. train system. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Your zone pricing is, yeah, you yeah. guys. This, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the the subway. Yeah, I'm a fan of the subway. It's it's a bit. It's a, it's not as it's not as tidy, but <laughs> but it's um it's a, it's a, it's effective, man. So, no, I yeah, give you that. I, I hear that. I hear that. Okay, and where was the where was the farthest or most outrageous place in America that you actually visited? The most like, outrageous cultures shock. Like it had to be one, right? Because New York is practically London, in my it's, opinion. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just big London, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So the first time I came to America. Mm -hmm. um, I came for South by Southwest, which is in Austin, like the South in Texas, mm -hmm. um, and that was my first encounter with with America, and it just was felt like wow, like their hashtag their their hashtag is like keep Austin weird. I think that's like their thing. They like keep Austin like strange, and it was very. That's where I saw like some very eccentric people. Like there was, <laughs> it was literally. A moment, I think I was, I was like walking through, I can't even like walking my on my way to see a gig, and this dude just like, he just crouched down and just like shouted out America, like like, <laughs> like, 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 like I kid you not, like nothing smart, nothing, <laughs> like nothing smart or anything. He was just like, I don't know if the the spirit of the bald eagle just came over him or something, but he was just like. He just run like, but that would never happen in England. Like, no one would never just be like, yeah, Britain. Um, so, yeah, Austin. Okay, for, for, uh, I don't know if it's always like that, but for South by, it, was, was this just, on like, the bar strip? Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the bar strip, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, so, so yeah, Austin at that time. I can't speak for it, it in normal time periods, but Austin during South by Southwest, you get some characters, man. So yeah, yeah, I think everyone will give you that one. Yes. <laughs> Alright, cool, cool. <laughs> no, no, no offense to Austin, because you know, but, no, yeah, Austin's a cool like, city, a fun place yeah, to go hang out. That love that mile long strip, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing some guy hopping out a bar, just yelling, <laughs> "Me!" 
and, and the worst thing is, I, I don't know if I can. Can I swear? Yes, like, go ahead, man. Whatever. Like someone, when he said it, someone just came through and went, "Fuck yeah!" Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like around, they definitely didn't know each other. He was literally like, I, I was like, okay, raw. All right, so that's just the thing, people. Just scheme America and people just yeah give that validation. So cool, man. I'm 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 a fly on the wall. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you know learning learning the ways. I mean, <laughs> the only thing I could say was I went to last time I was there. Yeah, I was in the mall. Uh, I forgot the name of the mall, but West Ham match finished, and West Ham happened to beat somebody. I guess oh, it was okay, a yeah, yeah. and then they all yeah, like. Yeah. Crowded the mall, and all I have heard was like, ah, yeah, and, it, and all that crap. And I was just like, yeah, mm. yeah, after football, yeah, yeah, yeah. after football, you know, that's where you're gonna experience the craziest of the country. So, yeah, 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 I can so imagine. great. I loved it, but it was just unexpected because here I was fixing my phone, and then they just like took the mall, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, avoid, avoid. Well, I don't know, you might want to. Get involved in that stuff, but if you're over here when a match has just been played here, you're gonna experience, you're gonna experience some, um, yeah, some things. And who do you follow? What team? Unfortunately, I, I feel like I don't really have the time to watch football these days. But when I did, I used to support Arsenal when I watched it more vividly. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm still Arsenal, but unfortunately, okay, I don't really no have problem. Time to watch football as much. Okay, so question for you. Youth seems mm-hmm. to be more into jazz, at least in theory, over there. Sorry, repeat that, please. The youth, like the younger people, seem to be more open to jazz, at least over there, than they are over here in the States. That's what they um, keep saying. I disagree I, with I, that. I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I think so, but I'll be honest, I haven't... I think whenever I've gone into um, America, it's always like, I'm, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. So I, I think it would be disingenuous for me to say yes or no. I think speaking from um, a UK perspective or a London perspective more specifically, um, there are more spots where, I can't say there are more, but there are spots where um, it's encouraged for people to dance and really let themselves go. There are lights like Steam Down in London or Jazz Refreshed or um, there used to be a great night called Steez. There's much more of a thing of people coming out to watch live musicians um for dancing and for and for socializing and less about um just about the critique of the musician but more about the vibe and the atmosphere of the place but i know there are spaces like that in america i just haven't really been to them as much so i I can't say if it's more or less okay that's fair no that's fair Mm. Mm. but what is one thing about jazz that you think young people seem to dislike um that people seem to dislike um i think to us to a certain extent with some bits of jazz you have to understand the formation of like how i don't know like if you're going into a jazz club and you've just seen someone blowing if you understand the form- the formation in which he's playing on why what he's doing is excellent um you, you kind of you'd have have much more of an insight into it but i think for some people that are new to the art form, that don't understand um, the formation and the 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 genius behind some of what someone is doing, if they walked into somewhere like Smalls, for example, mm-hmm. um, I think it, I think it's just that it's just people have to it's a culture, and I feel people have to come and observe the culture and learn from it, rather than 
always just getting like a release, like a from like a from rhythm or from or from like certain grooves. I think, yeah, it's 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 the learning of, it's the I think people what they find uncomfortable is not understanding the formation and necessarily always the cultural elements of what makes an improviser great. Okay. And what is your quick comparison between the London scene and New York since you were just recently? The, the quick comparison? Yes. Um, or the things that are differ in your opinion? It's, it's a tough question for me because I think both cities are... Obviously, New York is a bit bigger. Um, but I think both cities have so much to them. I think, objectively, if I speak about the London scene that everyone talks about, which is maybe myself, New Bayer, Moses Shabaka, then you could think that's it. But London also has like a trad scene and a funk scene and, and various other parts to it, or and a free scene. you know. And I feel like London, New York is that as well, probably in, even in a bigger sense. Um, so... It's, it's hard to compare and to be like, uh, London is this and New York is that, whereas I feel like they're both cities that have a lot to offer. But what I will say is New York does not sleep. <laughs> so there's more time to 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 go out and, and see those places and to go to different bars and and it's got more venues as well. So um, I don't know if that's a cop-out from the question, but I think yeah, yeah, they're, two, they're, they're very big, they're very different cities with a lot to offer. Um, and I think, but... New York might edge it because it's so big and it's just never sleeps and there's always somewhere to go. I've experienced that side of it. Nubai is someone you just mentioned. I never seen her perform live. I only see her through YouTube, hear her stuff and everything. How is she actually yep. impersonal? I mean, person. I said it personal. <laughs> She's great. We've actually, we grew up together practically. Uh, we both went to the same um, jazz workshop, which used to be at the Roundhouse in Camden in North. Um, and then we both went from there to the Tomorrow's Warriors. And she was also initially in my very first trio, which was with Moses and Nubaya, around 2014. And she's a lovely person, like very humble, very focused, very disciplined, but just a very lovely person to be around. No ego in her, the way she is as a person, but no ego in the way that she plays. It's always musical and tasteful and always um, about committed to finding the the right thing and the right melodically, the right melodic um, tasteful thing to complement the music at the time. So, you know, I've got, for me, nothing but praise for, for New Bayer. That's my sis. Okay. So, what is something you have planned that you're willing to share with us? Something I have planned that I'm willing to share. Um, I just I just did a live recording um, with my group, my, my quartet, um, in London for Clash magazine. Um, and they let us keep the stems and it was really good. It was like very probably one of the best um, capturings of of my of my own ensemble. So that is something that I'm going to release and have out in the world not not too far from now. Um, and then after that, probably start working on the next the next project. Okay. And what do you think that'll be out? I think that'll be out later this year or early next. Um, the the live album. Okay. And what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world? I want the to music hear world answer. in general. Well, especially from your point of view, with your instrument. The under that they misunderstand about the music world is your question. Yes, sir. About my, my music world. 
Okay, mm, good. that's a good question. <laughs> what do they just understand about music? Um, I, I guess the work and the sacrifice that goes into it, there's that analogy people always see the top of the iceberg, but they don't see what's underneath it. So I think people can often see someone that's successful or seeing someone who's like, having a moment and just assume, oh, they didn't work to get there, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. But sometimes there's a lot of work and there's a lot of things that go into play to make people be able to be seen and be noticed. And I think sometimes musicians and people get into the thing of, of, of hating things and not understanding people. But sometimes we just need to... When we see someone doing well or we see someone achieving, just, just you know, praise them for their grind and just assume that the work has gone in for them to be where they are rather than, rather than being a, on a hateration. So I guess, yeah, my answer to that would be the work that goes into it because sometimes um, we, t we can take these things for granted. Do you think you had a harder time than normal because of this? Um... I think in my in my personal journey, I feel like uh, with the instrument I play in particular, there's always been a deficit of interest. <laughs> like if, if I'm next to a saxophone or I'm next to a pianist or a trumpet, I think people have a perception of the skill that can be done with it. Whereas I feel like, and and for me, there's a lack of interest by perception that I often uh, use to empower me to almost change people. I think every time I step on stage or I step at a jam session or I'm doing my own show, I think, okay, well, I'm going to change the way that you view this. Um, and maybe if I played a different instrument, I wouldn't always have that. But I think maybe if I played another instrument, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be me. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be, like, who I am and what my intentions are, what I'm putting into the music. So, yeah, I think... Um, underestimate... That's that part of that... Part of being underestimated and part of being... Um, kind of not seen as an instrument that is versatile is part of my journey. But I think, although it be, although it is a weakness, it's part of the thing that makes my strength. Okay. So where do you think jazz will be in 10 years? Hmm. Where do I think jazz will be in 10 years? You could use, like, in the London scene, if you don't want to, to say... No, no, I, I think I can speak generally, okay. but... I think um, I think we're moving away from the word jazz. To be honest, I think I think jazz in some ways is too limiting for what a, 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 a lot of things what of what a lot of things are happening. So I don't know. For me personally, I like the term like Afro diasporic music or African diasporic music because then we're talking about a broader sense of music that stems from the African diaspora, whether that be America, um, UK, Caribbean, Africa. I feel like the things that we're drawing from or the things that we're referring to when we talk about jazz often, not always, but often, is, is, is that broader sense. So I think um, the future jazz for me is, yeah, seeing, looking at it from a diasporic perspective um, and then really embracing where we are as, as, you know, black people in the world and, and, and moving forward, like, in a pan-African sense. Um, so, yeah, that's, I guess that's why I see you know, the music that we make going and being and the, and the intention we have behind it. Do 
do you see a lot of young artists coming out of the UK scene? Or do you see it more coming out of the States that actually make it? That make it? That actually um, make it. That actually make it. Um, the US is a big place. <laughs> I think we refer to it as a country, but you know, it's, it's very much a continent. And so there is always going to be more... Um, more attention and more um, size and people and musicians that are coming out of there for a very good reason and, and and they're all very good a lot of time so I think I couldn't really compare just by size but I think I'm seeing a lot of great emerging artists coming out of London who are starting to do things and when I've been to America I also see you know some amazing like innovative things so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not good at the comparative questions, but I think I'd see there's a lot of there's a lot coming out of or both from my perspective. Understood. So, have you ever been invited to play on a non-jazz album? On a non-jazz album, yeah. Uh, I just played on an album by an artist called Joy Crooks, um, and I've done a little tuba feature on the end of one of her songs called Trouble, which is a really great track. Um, I played on a rap artist by the name of Stormzy, who's doing very well in in Britain, well, around the world. Um, I played on a track called Big Michael by him. Okay. Um, who else? Um, I done some sessions on Little Sims, Sims's last album, playing in in the orchestral tracks of of her music. So, a lot of things in rap actually. I think a lot of I uh, rap wouldn't have guessed it. I'm guessed it. <laughs> I'm that horrible today. But I wouldn't have guessed that you being on rap albums. Yeah, I think rap rap is all about the low end, isn't it? And I think um, mm. rap 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 and you know music that comes from the sound system is all about bass. So I feel like I kind of slot in quite well a lot of the time in those in those things because. I have the bass, but I also have... There's also a brassiness to my bass and also have a certain sensibility of rhythmically where I can kind of slot in um, to these types of things. So that's what I mean. I think it's all... It's all connected to me. Like, jazz, hip-hop, they're all just... It's all black music from from the, from the African diaspora. It's just displaced. So for me, I don't even really separate them. I don't really think I'm playing on a jazz album or I'm playing on this album. It's just it's just a black it's just a, a an album of black music that I'm playing on. You know, I think I, I mean I think that's where yeah that's where my head is. I don't really try to think of it in genres. You know, there are masters in all of them. Okay. Well, one thing I'm curious about never accomplished this. So you hit number one <laughs> on the jazz and the blues charts, and you actually yeah, make the Billboard charts. I did. I made the jazz um, billboard in 2019, number 23, I think. And yeah, that was surreal. I think that, that was with my first album as well. So yeah, that was... When you put out an album, especially for the first time, you never know how it's going to be received. And you're, you're kind of how, you're new to that whole experience. So, And there's some albums that dope. never leave that list. So the fact that you got on there, I find... That's it. I think... I think it's a moment in, in my career where, yeah, that can't be taken away from me. No matter how I feel about where things are or, or 
or where I think I should be or where or, or where or even if I achieve my goals that's I feel like that that was a moment in time that will always stay with me and it, and it's an undeniable um barometer of, of my achievements so it's a real pleasure to be able to even speak to you about it so yeah thanks for taking note <laughs> thanks for bringing it up <laughs> I, I just find that really impressive man <laughs> oh, thank you man no much appreciated okay uh If you could have your dream project, no barriers, no constraints, the money's completely handled, what would it be? Oh, man. And who would be on it? Wow. <laughs> Good question. It's a tough one, man. I'd have... Mm. It's a tough one, man. I don't know, but I think I'd try to have, like, a world band. I think I'd, ha I'd ha I know these things... I don't know if these things ever work, but I'd, I'd try and have a band where I had different people from, like, around the world. So, I don't know, from the UK, I'd have... I don't know, like, Kano, who's an amazing MC. I'd have... Um, I don't know. As I just performed with him the other day, Billy Woods. <laughs> He's also incredible. From New York, I'd have myself on tube. I'd have... I don't know, Kamazi Washington. I have Nubaya. It's, it's a tough one. That's a really hard question to answer in terms of musicians and, and music. But I think what I would try and do if I had the money would be to create a, a Pan-African album where you've got different people from different parts of the diaspora doing something dope. Okay. And what was the best compliment you ever received? <laughs> the best compliment I've ever received. Mm -hmm. mm. That's a very good question, man. Wow, I've got to take a minute to think. That's a good question, man. I've seen, I think I've received a lot of good compliments. I, I often get, um, someone did, someone said to me on, on my UK tour the other day that watching me on tuba feels like they're seeing Hendrix on guitar. I think that was a big, that was a big um, compliment for me because obviously Hendrix is an innovator, master, someone who's done something different that no one else has done. Um, so for someone to come up to me and say, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm watching a Hendrix of his instrument means that, wow, I'm doing something new and I'm doing something that is, is unheard of and I'm, I'm making my mark in a way that hopefully I'll, I'll be remembered. So, I'm th yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one. I think there's been many um, amazing things that people have said to me, but that, that, that one sticks out for me. That's a very good one to have. Definitely. And one thing I want to ask you, just also. When I ask people why they hate jazz, right? Yep. A very common one reason they give me is the songs are too long. <laughs> Do you agree on that? Do I agree that the song's too long? I think that goes back to my answer before. I think they think it's long because they don't understand the formation. 
they don't understand there's a, there's a cycle often. I don't know if you're listening to... It depends what type of jazz you listen to, but I reckon that question, that answer is probably to um, a track where we're talking about, like, tunes with formation, where you get one soloist, then another. But I think if they understood that they're listening to people in a formation and how and they're navigating that formation in their artistic way um, with a certain level of understanding of things that have come before but with their own level of expression, then maybe they wouldn't find it as long because they'd be more engaged in what the person has to say. But I think if sometimes if they don't understand that, then it just sounds like people like going on and on and on. It'd be like if someone saw a rap cipher. I'm just like, oh, they just keep going on. They're just talking. For ta- for <laughs> That's like, oh, they're just talking in the circle. I give you that. Just going, you know what I mean? But no, no, if I you realise that there's a beat there and everyone's saying something different, instead of, and they're not and actually listening to what the person has to say, then it would be different. But if they're not kind of listening and they're just thinking, oh, it's just, it's just, um, they're not listening to, the, to what this man or this woman is, is expressing in real time at this moment, then yeah, they would just think that. So... Yeah, I think that's that's yeah, that's that's the problem maybe is that sometimes maybe we just need to tell people, break it down for them, why 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 it's good and why it's genius and what this person is expressing at this moment in time with other people, with other kindred spirits who are all committed to making a moment in time great. So yeah, it's, it's I agree on that, but I also been to a jam session recently where this guy took a six minute bass solo. Okay, okay. Well, there are those days. I was pulling my little hair out like, guy. Listen, there, yeah, there are, that, 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 statement didn't dis, that, that statement didn't include the, the variable of the self-indulgent musician. So, <laughs> so yeah, there, there is that as well. There is, there is the self-indulgent musician. And that's where we have to think as well. So it's not just on the listener. That's where we as musicians have to think, right, like, is what I'm saying that important that I have to go on for six minutes? If it is, then fine. It is. But if if but if it's not, then yeah, just 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 be quiet. It's like no one wants to hear a one minute drum solo. Okay, no no one does. No, I'm a drummer. I don't want to hear that. Do your thing. Nah. <laughs> what drummer do you want to hear for one minute straight? Go. What drummer? What drummer? Um, I even give you Buddy Rich. No Max one wants. Huh? Max Roach, definitely. You want to hear Max Roach just drum for one minute straight? Yeah, Art Blakey, definitely. Okay. I'm pretty sure most people be like, okay, that's nice. And then he does that the next song. They're going to be like... Papa Joe Joe Jones, he could keep my attention for (laughs) a long time. You know, so... I think the general public will disagree on that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Fair enough, man. I'll take take that. (laughs) Okay, so sir, please tell everyone your website, your social media your website, etc., all that stuff? Of course. So my website is theoncross.com, uh, Instagram, theon underscore cross, Facebook, facebook.com slash theoncrossmusic, um, Twitter, at theoncross. And yeah, I think that is it. If you want to keep up with me, go to any of those places. And yeah, Intra Eye, my new album is out right now. You can get that anywhere. It's on all, all the platforms, so... If you like what you're hearing, please support. Okay, but well, once again, sir, thank you for coming on. It's an honor. Love what you're doing. Next time you're in New York, I expect another sh- lively show like that. Like, dang. Oh, man. You we killed can, Webster we, Hall. 
<laughs> Thank you, man. And, you know, pleasure to speak to you. I'm glad after two years we could finally make it happen. And, yeah, it would be good to, like, reason in person as well. So mm -hmm. thank you very much for having me. Well, everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>